We're thrilled to be able to celebrate our first Sunday of November with you, and I'm uh, excited to be able to continue our series, The Elephant in the Room, addressing several topics that don't get addressed widespread, at least here, um, because today's topic, I'll be very honest with you, makes me feel a little uncomfortable uh, as a pastor uh, because we're going to be talking about why giving matters, why giving matters. And I'm not just talking about finances. Now, while God cares about our money uh, and, and talks and addresses that, it's not just about that. We're going to be talking about generosity. And, and, and what I want to share with you today is just the importance because I truly believe that this does more for the individual, for you, than it does for anything else. I truly believe, and I'll show you today with Scripture, that, that generosity, when it flows out of us, it blesses us. Amen? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 2.11, wise choices will watch over you and understanding will keep you safe. So as I mentioned, this is one of the topics that you, you can't get away from in Scripture the topic of giving is mentioned more than prayer. The topic of giving is mentioned more than love. The topic of giving is mentioned continuously in the Bible. And in every part of my life, I want to live generously. And in every part of your life, I want you to live generously. It's my task today to encourage you to choose to live a generous life. This likely could bring, and I tell you this sincerely and wholeheartedly, that this likely could bring you more joy than anything else that I can teach you. It is a principle of giving. Proverbs 11:24 says, "The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller." And then the next verse says, a generous person will prosper. A generous person will prosper. Now, I want to address that real quick because this is not a prosperity message. I don't buy into that. But I do believe that God wants us to prosper in the way that this text is telling us. Because in the original text, this literally means that God will push you forward. That God will push you forward. And I believe that when we align ourselves with God's will and God's word, that as we move in our Christian walk, that God pushes us forward. Are there any witnesses in the house this morning? It's not about being prosperity, name it and claim it. It's not about an amount. Don't ever buy into, if you give, if you give this certain amount, God will open a door for you. It's not, it's not about an amount. I heard the story of a pastor who said, if, you, if anybody who writes a check for $1,000, you'll get to select three hymns. And there was someone that took him up on it. A little old lady walked up with her check of $1,000, and the pastor said, all right, choose your three hymns. And she looks out, and she goes, I want him, I want him, and I want him. That's funny. <laughs> this is, it's not about an amount. 
I'll tell you, God loves a cheerful giver. And whatever you give, can you give it with a smile? So it's not about even just money. It's when you give of your time and when you give of your energy, are you giving that from a good place? Is it a duty or is it a delight? Whoever refreshes, the Bible says, others will be refreshed. Psalms 112 and 5 says, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. 1 Timothy 6.17-19 says, tell those who are rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God. That's what I want for your lives so desperately today, that we would go after God with our whole heart. And watch this. Who piles on all the riches we could ever manage? But why does he give us? Why does he bless us to do good? To be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. So the Apostle Paul is telling his spiritual son, Timothy, when you, when you understand this and when you embrace this and when you live by this truth, this is true living. More than 2,100 verses on generosity are found in our scriptures. And let's end with Acts 20, 35. And, and this part, all right? Not the, not the whole sermon. Um, Acts 20, 35. The Lord, I know y'all were thinking, man, that's quick. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed means makarios, which is an internal joy regardless of circumstance. It's an internal joy regardless of circumstance. I'll praise him at any time. And I have a good outlook in life at any time because of this. Paul is writing a letter to a church that he planted, the Apostle Paul. And when you look at the word apostle, it literally means a church planter. He's, he was planting churches in different cities and, and here he, he is addressing the church in Corinth. We're going to look at two, two chapters of 2 Corinthians. Uh, the church in Corinth is found today in modern-day Turkey. And Paul was excited. He, he has a task. He has a project. He's collecting an offering for the mother church in Jerusalem that has been able to launch all these others. And he's telling the church he wants them to be a part of, of this type of living. And 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 12 says this, And now, brothers... We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So Paul here is, is stirring up a healthy competition within the different churches. And he tells them there's another church that, that is doing this. And, and notice that he doesn't talk about an offering. He doesn't talk about an amount. No, he says, I want you to know about the grace of giving. The grace, something inside of them that just wanted to do it. Out of the most severe trial, Paul says, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Joy and poverty can coexist 
when you know God. You can have something going on on the outside, but still have joy on the inside when you know God. Only God can make you overflow in joy when coupled with extreme poverty. He says this, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and beyond their ability. I know what they were capable of. Paul is saying, I, I understand the, the situation in their life, and they went beyond it entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. They begged, they, they were asking, please let us be a part of it. And then Paul says this, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then to us in keeping with God's will. Generosity is not something we do. Generosity is a lifestyle. Then he says, so we urge Titus since he had made earlier, since he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything in faith. So he, now he's, he's bragging on them. You excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. See that you also excel in this internal motivation, the grace of giving. And notice what he says. I'm not commanding you. I'm not commanding you. You can't be forced to. It has to come from within. And look how Paul keeps Going, he says, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And then he says, let me remind you, in other words, he said, let me remind you of the one who had it all. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich in heaven, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice, Paul says, about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were, the, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness, this eager willingness, the internal motivation to do it may be matched by the completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there... If you find the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. God is more interested in our attitude than any amount, than any service, than any act. He's looking at my heart. Is my heart in the right place? Am I doing whatever I do, whether Am I, if I'm sowing an offering or if I'm serving, am I doing it out of the right place? If our heart is right, then our giving is acceptable. There are commands from God, and, and, and every one of us in this place would know there's commands that God has outlined for his people. But I want to tell you that we don't follow them because of the command itself. Because the truth is that you can follow God because he said to, or you can follow God because you want to. 
If the Old Testament has a message, it's this, is that God puts laws and he, he gave them to Moses. He wrote them on tablets of stone for man to follow. And the concept was you do this or else. But then Jesus comes along, the perfect man in the New Testament, and, and in essence says, we're going to love the values. We're not going to change them, but I'm not going to write them down on stone. I'm going to write them down on your heart. So over there, you, you had to do it, but now you want to do it. But now you want to do it. It's the motivation. It's the desire. It's the drive to be able to do it. Whatever you do. So in all you're doing, can I encourage you to choose generosity? Can I encourage you to choose it every day? And I promise you, you'll love that version of yourself when you choose generosity. If you don't believe me, even Hollywood understands it. Look at the Grinch. You will be your best version of yourself. When we overflow with joy. When we overflow with generosity. So how can I do this? You may ask. The first thing is this. I want to share five, five truths with you. You got to choose to give joyfully. Choose to give joyfully. If you haven't found the fun in it, you haven't really discovered what real generosity is. It is overflowing joy. It is finding the joy in whatever you do, whatever you give, whatever you do, that you would do it with a smile on your face. I'm making, as our dream teamers are making coffee, that they would do it with a smile on their face and take care of everyone that walks through those doors. As I give unto God that I do it with a smile on my face. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. People can't understand this. Humans don't understand this. There was an article that came out that was published through the Wall Street Journal that, that is a, it talks about being hardwired for giving. And, and it explored the topic, why people are generous. Because they couldn't understand it. Because when you look at Darwin's theory, the survival of the fittest, it's about taking care of me first. It's about taking care of my needs and what I need to be able to be able to go on. And then all of a sudden you, you have these doctors that got involved because they just wanted to further the study. And they found that, that when people give, there is a part of your brain that releases chemicals, that releases endorphins, uh, that, that there is pleasure that is just released when given. The world is understanding this. And, and you may ask, how can you explain this? It's because we were created by a God who made us, who designed us, and to, he designed us to enjoy giving. So whether you buy someone's lunch, whether you buy someone's coffee, whether, whatever you do, that you would do it with a cheerful heart, with a cheerful heart. So you got to choose to give joyfully. The second thing is this, you got to choose to give selflessly. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 tells us again, and they did not do as, ex as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. John Bono said this, if one gives himself to the Lord first, all other giving is easy. All other giving is easy. They gave of themselves, the Apostle Paul said. They enjoyed 
it. It's who God created us to be. I've mentioned it a few times. That's why we encourage you to, to join and, and serve the, on the dream team. And can I tell you that we're appreciative of each of our dream teams, but the reality is that it blesses the individual a lot more than anything else. Because we were created to be generous people. There is an inner satisfaction that only comes when we give of ourselves. That's what makes it so meaningful. That's what makes it so meaningful. When, when God was generous, he didn't give a check. He gave us himself. He gave us himself. That's why 2 Corinthians 9.15 puts it this way. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. If my goal is to be like Jesus, to follow his example, I have to understand this principle and this truth and embrace it in my life. That I have to give of myself. That I have to invest time and energy and strength. And that as I do that, because that's what I was created for. The Bible, I'll remind you what Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says that. He who blesses others will himself be extremely blessed. That when I give of myself... God takes care of me. The third thing is this. You've got to choose to give willingly. Choose to give willingly. We're called for this. That when you give, whatever you give, time and effort and resources that, that you could truly look at yourself in the mirror and say that the only reason I'm giving is because I want to. Is because I want to. And I want this for you that out of our heart, out of our heart, that things that were, had to be abided in the law, whether they wanted to or not, they said this is, this is the law and I have to follow it. Jesus changed that. And he, he himself said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to get rid of the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. I came to change the motivation in why we do what we do. Change it from an external obligation to an internal delight. That I would wake up in the morning and say, I don't have to do this. I get to do this. So if I wake up and I'm scheduled to serve, if, I'm, if I wake up and I'm scheduled to do what, then I wake up and I say, you know what? I get to do this. I'm grateful that God has given me this. And if I'm not doing it from that place, I'm not doing it for the right reasons. We don't have to do it. We get to do it. We get to do it. Give what is in your heart. Which is one of the reasons why we don't pass a plate. And we don't have you come up when we're talking about offerings and, and tithing. We don't, we don't want you to give with pressure by any means. But we want you to give whatever you give because God told you that's what you were supposed to give. 
And I want to, I want to, I need to share this with you because when we give, we tap into an area where, where God says, this is the one area where God says, you can test me in this area. You can test me in this. That when we bring to him, he says, if you bring it to me, he goes, I will open up the windows of heaven. And I will pour out a blessing that you won't be able to contain it. That, that to understand that when I give, he goes to work and he says, and I will rebuke the devourer, the enemy that comes and tries to attack and tries to destroy. God says, I'll go to work for you when you give. So when you give, look what 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, give willingly. The fourth thing is this. As I draw to a close, you got to choose to give intentionally. All throughout the Bible, we see the theme that we should never give it out of an emotion, never give it out for any reason, but that we should be purposeful. And the Bible gives us a filter, a gauge. It says, be generous. And whatever that looks like for you, 2 Corinthians 9-11 says, you will be made rich in every way. I don't know about you, but I want that for my life. And I want it for your, for your life. Not just in finances. No, look, rich in ideas, in knowledge, in understanding. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And that your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And when we give intentionally, watch what God says that he does. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. And he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He who supplies seed to the sower. And then you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And that through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And the final thing is this. I got to choose to give thankfully. So the only thing that I would encourage you today is that you would look at your life and whatever you give, time, effort, kindness, that you would look at your life and are we doing it from the right place? Am I doing it joyfully? Am I doing it willingly? Am I doing it intentionally? You got to ask yourself. I got to ask myself. Am I doing it because I'm obligated to? Or, or am I just truly grateful? So I, I choose to give thankfully. We do it because of the grace of God. We do it because of the grace of God. Psalms 116 and 12 says this, How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? And the answer is we can't. 
We can't. So whatever we do, we do it with a thankful heart. So everything we give, we do it out of gratitude. That we would come from a position, from a place, from a posture of saying, I wouldn't be able to give anything, God, if it weren't for you. If it weren't for you. There's a story in the book of Exodus that I want to close with. They're, they're having their very first Passover. The Bible tells us that God's people were slaves in Egypt. And God made a way. There was this Egyptian ruler that was named Pharaoh, and, and God hardened his heart. And through a series of ten different plagues, God demonstrated his power. And it wasn't until the 10th plague that, that we understand that the angel of death is coming and is going to take the firstborn of every house. But God provides a means of protection for his people. God provides a means of protection for his people. So they're having their very first Passover, and this is where they celebrate this. And to celebrate it, they, they went to their flocks and they looked at the cattle that they had and they were to take the first and the best lamb and sacrifice that. And, and when you do this, the writer is telling us that it would be confusing to their kids because here you have a dad going out and he, he's having to take the first and the best lamb. And he's having to take it and he's having to slaughter it. And look what Exodus 13, 14, and 15 say, says, in, in days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean, Dad? Why are you doing this? Why are you taking the first lamb? Why, why are you killing it? So when, the, when your kids ask you, why do you give what you give? Why, why do you believe in, in tithing? Why do you believe in offering? Why do, you, why do you get up early in the morning and get dressed to go serve on the dream team? Why, why do you do what you do? It's a say to him, with the mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. In other words, pull your shirt back and show him the stripes. Show him what you had to go through and where you are now. Show him the life you used to live, but now that you're saved, now that God called you out, now that, now that God reached into the miry clay and he pulled you up and he put your foot on a rock and he put a praise in your mouth and he put thanksgiving in your heart that, that I'm here son because I'm not who I used to be because God stepped in when I was lost in drugs when I was strung out when alcohol was my God when I was all when I was addicted and, and God stepped in and I just whatever I do
do. I come to church and I serve. I come to church and I give because I'm grateful that he stepped in with his mighty hand and he pulled me up and he gave me a new identity. I'm no longer shamed, but I am redeemed. I'm no longer cursed, but I'm blessed. So it's the least that I can do. He stepped in when people counted me out. He stepped in when people said he'll never get better. He stepped in, and this is where it gets very personal for each of us because nobody knows your story like you know it. Nobody knows your story, but can I tell you that we, we get to do this together, that we get to serve God together, that we get to give of ourselves first together, that we get to serve of ourselves, that we could populate heaven together. It's the least that I can do. It's the least that I can do. I give thankfully. Father, I thank you today that you called us to be generous people, to tap into this area of our life that your word shares with us and tells us and admonishes us and challenges us. God, on different levels, we find ourselves. I just pray that you would help us take our next steps. And I realize that next steps look different for everyone here today. But I just pray, God, that you would move someone, work in someone, that you, God, would do the work that we would be able to live generously. And we would be able to live from a place of overflowing joy, God. That we would know without a shadow of a doubt that you are at work. God, we commit to put you first in our lives. We commit to put you first, God, and that we would let our lives exemplify who you are. That we would let our lives be a reflection of your love, of your goodness, of your kindness. We thank you today for your goodness over our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you find yourself here today. Maybe this is the first time you gave church a chance. And you're saying, what is my next step? Well, you're the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you find yourself lost, if you find yourself at your wit's end, if you find yourself and you've hit rock bottom, you've tried to do things on your own and it hasn't worked, God calls you. He is the God that loves you so much that he leaves 99 to go after the one. And he's going after you today. He's pursuing you. He's chasing hard after you. And he says, give me your heart. Let me be the Lord of your life. You don't have to figure things out on your own. I've already paid the price for you. I've already made a way for you. All you have to do is say yes. The Bible says that he stands at the door and he knocks. 
that if anyone would hear his voice and open the door, opening the door is up to you today. He'll come in. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that is you and you say, my next step is to give my life to Jesus. Today's the day I surrender my heart to him. I surrender my life. I want to invite you to just where you're at that you would raise your hand. You don't have to come up to the front. You don't have to do anything else. I see you. I see you. That you would just raise your hand right where you're at. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And and here at Impact City, we believe in community and that no one should do life alone. So I invite everyone at the side of my voice to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place, for loving me, for chasing me. I give you my heart. Come in and be the Lord of my life. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for everyone that accepted him today? The Bible says the heavens rejoice, but God's people rejoice also.